Take him. 14. We were here. I want to come back. Two weeks ago, we looked at what Jesus did. We saw the great need of the multitudes who were gathered on this hillside in this desert place. They were in search of a miracle. They were in great confusion. And Jesus went forth. That's a, isn't that a, that's a powerful statement. Jesus went forth. You know, when I needed him the worst, he just came forth. I didn't deserve it, but he came forth. When he went forth, he went forth and saw the need. We'll read these verses in just a minute. And had compassion. We don't pray enough. We don't send it enough. We don't tell it enough. But he still loves us. And he's available. And he met the need of the day. This, this uh, parable is the only parable that is in all of the Gospels. This parable is the only, gospel, uh, the only parable that John recorded that the other Gospel writers wrote. It kind of gives it a little more place in the Scriptures. Verse 13, you can stand. I want you to stand so you can get woke up good and stretch a little. And we honor the Word of God as we stand. Over Over there in the book of Nehemiah says, when Ezra opened the book, they stood four hours while he read the Word of God. When Jesus heard of it, verse 13, when he heard of the death of John the Baptist, the sacrifice that had been made of that man sent from God to to prepare the way for the Messiah who would come. When Jesus heard of it, he departed thence by ship into a desert place apart. And when the people had heard thereof, They followed him on foot out of the cities. And Jesus went forth and saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion toward them, and he healed their sick. We call that the picture of our age. People in need, people in confusion, and the Savior is available today. And when it was evening, his disciples came unto him, saying, This is a desert place, and the time is now past. Send the multitude away, that they may go into the villages and buy themselves victuals. But Jesus said unto them, They need not depart, give ye them to eat. They say unto him, We have here but five loaves and two fishes. And uh, he said, Bring them hither to me. He commanded the multitude to sit on the grass and took the five loaves and the two fishes. And looking up to heaven, he blessed and broke and gave the loaves to his disciples and the disciples to the multitude and they did all eat and were filled and took up of the fragments that remained twelve baskets full and they that had eaten were about five thousand men beside women and children brother Alan, would you pray for us, please? God, help us to 
together. This most important time to hear your word. Holy Spirit of God, our eyes are open, our ears are yielded, and our hearts are ready to receive what you'll have for us this morning. Now, Father, you promise, move among your work now. Help our preacher in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. In verse number uh, 19, look at this. The old Bible scholars, the old English language says things that sometimes that we can't say today. But he, look, at, look at this phrase. Looking up to heaven, come. He took time. He, the Son of God. He, God of very God. He, the, he, the Redeemer who spent all of eternity in heaven. One third part of the Godhead looked up to heaven. I wonder how many of us started this day by looking up to heaven. Most of us didn't. We might have looked for a coffee pot or a a biscuit or breakfast or something. Or we went to the mirror and looked on our face and saw that we were presentable for today. But he who had all power and could call down at legions of angels looked up to heaven. And then he blessed. He did something you and I can't do. He put God on the bread and the fish in a way that it would be magnified and used. That's a, that's a great statement. Comma. He blessed. Comma. What that means is it stands alone. He looked up to heaven. If, it, if that's all we had, we'd have the answer. He blessed. If that's all we had, that'd be enough. We'd never understand that. And he break. We've been preaching on Wednesday nights about the breaking. If you're not willing to be broken, you'll never be used of God or blessed of God like he'd like to do with you. If you're too proud to be broken, too, too uh, cool to be broken, you're in trouble. You're headed for trouble in your life. It's only as we'll humble our hearts and allow him to break, make, mold, shape, fill that we can ever be used. And then he gave the loaves to the disciples and the disciples to the multitude. I guess that would be my theme this morning. I want to preach about the problem of the disciples this morning. We have seen the magnificence of the Savior and the abilities of the Savior. But there's, not, there's more than just the Savior here. In fact, the, what, his, what his, these verses d- deal with him in a very minor way compared to how it deals with the disciples. In fact, verse, see, verse 15 says, It was evening, and his disciples came to him, saying, this is a desert place. And the hour, hey, the, the day has gone away. He told Jeremiah that a thousand years before. He said the day goes away. Our day's going away quicker than we can imagine. We've got this long list of elderlies that are struggling and need help physically. If, if you could talk to every one of them, they'd all say this. I, I, didn't never, I didn't think I'd ever get to this place. I mean, I, my, it seemed like my life just went away. 
It's a vapor. It's just gone by. So I want to talk about the, I call it the problem of the disciples. If you look at verse 15 and, and, and divide it out, they're going to say we're in the wrong place. It's the wrong time. And we have no, uh, we have nothing to meet the need of the hour. I heard Milton Martin teaching on missions. We're coming up on our mission program, our mission conference. It'll be the 19th through the 23rd of October. Brother Milton teaching one morning said, God has called us to go to, go to places we've never been. And to do things we have never done. With resources we do not have. Understand this. Last week, uh, Daniel and, and Brother Harry were visiting some, somewhere and knocking doors. And there was a fellow that night received Jesus Christ as his Savior. Those two guys don't have that ability. None of us have that ability. If God does something in this service, it'll be God. I don't have that ability. Paul said to the Romans, I am a doulos. That is, I'm just a bond servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. I sold myself to him. You may not realize it the day you got saved. You sold yourself to him. You're no longer 1 Corinthians chapter 6 verse 19 says this. What? Know you not? That your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, and ye are not your own, for ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. He's going to go on to say that we'll all give an account for what we've done with, with God's vessel. He bought us with his blood. And so here's the disciples. Can you see how ridiculous verse 15 is? The disciples come to Jesus who's led them over there to this particular place. I don't have time to go back to all the scriptures. But Herod's on a rampage and Jesus has taken them over there to a, a desert place. And they said... Jesus, this is a desert place. Doesn't it, does that make sense to you? And then they said, Hey, we know that you spoke all of the universe into existence. You hung every star. And that sun rolls across the sky because you make it to do it. But in case you don't know it, Jesus, this is, it's an evening time. It's late in the day. We, we do stuff like that, don't we? We try to correct him when he's wanting us to serve, and we want to say, I can't do that. It's this. So that's what I want to preach about this morning. The problem of the disciples. We forget we're just a do-loss. We forget that we, he owns us. He bought us. And he's, when he saved us, we became his vessel. My life is not my own. 
Galatians 2.20, I, I was going to close with it, but Galatians 2.20 says, I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live, I live by faith of the Son of God who gave himself for me. Somebody says, well, I work over there, over there, over there. I was talking to some of the young guys about their, their occupations and their projection for a, a, uh, a, you know, a career in their fields. But what we ought to forget, not forget is, though he's, hey, I had the lady told me she was a, she was a computer operator back in the days when we weren't smart enough to run the mouse and all that stuff and had to have an operator run the computer. And she, she was a outstanding. She could take those, uh, those tapes of the medical doctors and she could type it faster than they could say it. She was an excellent I, t- I said something about her talent as a computer operator. She said, Brother Wayne, I'm not a computer operator. I said, well, what do you call yourself? She said, I'm a missionary to computer operators. God, I got saved, and I'm, my, my first obligation is to Jesus Christ who saved me and bought me and paid for me, and now I'm a missionary to computer operators. We ought to keep that in our in our somewhere in our heart that all we are, all we'll ever be is what we are in the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul said, I die daily. Paul said, I am crucified daily. He said, I do that so I don't become a castaway. If we're not careful, our pride will cause us to be castaways. Think about this. Hardly a week goes by that somebody doesn't come by here that smells bad and looks bad and probably have wasted themselves and their lives. If our pride brings us to a place we think we're better than them, we've made a mistake. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for every one of us. We're not better. The old Moody said for the drunk on the street, laying in that gutter there, but by the grace of God goes D.L. Moody. There, but by the grace of God are every one of us. So there's, so the problem, the problem of the, here, here we are on the greatest miracle, if you can if you, if, you, if you figure it by the number of times it's in your Bible, it's in the Bible more than any other miracle that he did, even than raising people from the dead. So this has to rate as one of the great miracles that God's ever done on this earth. But the disciples had a problem. In recognizing what God was doing, I'd say every one of us have a problem from time to time in just recognizing what God's doing in our lives. So I, I want to bring us to that. See, uh, Jesus in verse 14 went forth and saw the great multitude, he knew the number of the multitude. Nobody had to tell him that there's, that there's 5,000 men plus women plus, and children. Nobody had to say, you're going to have to feed 20,000 people. 
if you try to feed them. Our ladies doing this ladies meeting and we had a call last night and we got four ladies going to stay at our house from Texarkana. They're poor people. They couldn't afford the motel. And so they're coming to stay at our house. And it's a great honor. But Susie began to say, well, I wonder what I need to do about breakfast and this, that, and the other. You know, you know how you ladies are. She, she just getting a vision of the, I heard them in there talking the other day about uh, how many we're going to have to feed. That's a, that's a, it's good that people are concerned, isn't it? He, Jesus said, count the cost. And uh, so, uh, so the, the cost will mean nothing if some of those ladies go home with a fresh vision of Jesus and a fresh burden for souls and somebody gets saved because they, somebody came to the lady, it, it'll all be worth it all. So Jesus knew the number of the multitude. And verse 15, they said, The time is now past. Jesus had a heavenly clock. I've got to believe he knew what time it was. Don't you? Don't you imagine he knew? Well, if you if you got to imagine it, go over to John chapter six, verse six. In verse five, Jesus said to Philip, "Whence shall we buy bread that these may eat?" And this he said to prove him, verse six, for he himself knew what he would do. He wasn't behind on the time. He wasn't behind, he wasn't behind on the crowd count. He wasn't behind on the abilities to, that he had to fix the problem. He knew what he was going to do. So he was proving his disciples. That's what John 6 said. He proved Philip. He said, well, we're going to get something for him to eat. And man, he got some answers and that brings me to point number two. Jesus knew the situation, but he was proving his disciples. Since we are servants of his and bought by him, don't you imagine he'd like to prove us a little bit too? If he says... To Philip, what are we going to do? Maybe he's saying to you, or 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 me. Wayne, what are we going to do? I'll tell you the truth, I've felt that question several times in the last few months. Like I probably haven't felt it before. Hey, Metropolitan Baptist Church, what are we going to do? Young people, what are we going to do? It's more than Hollywood or Nashville. I can tell you that. It's more than dressing up or dressing down or becoming a clown or what are we going to do? What are we going to do with this gospel? What are we going to do with the lost crowds around us? That's the, that's the question. See, God's not surprised by the time. Romans 13. 
Verse number 11 says, And that knowing the time, God knows the time, that knowing the time, that now it is high time to wake out of sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than when we, than when we believed. For the night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness. Let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk honestly as in the day, not in rioting or drunkenness, not in chambering or wantonness, not in strife or, or envying, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. I was, I was on a plane going somewhere, and I was studying this verse. Here's what I wrote. What time is it? It's praying time. If there's ever been a day in America's history that needs some prayer warriors, it's right now. It's preaching time. Our lost society, the liberal move of our this generation says it's time to preach. But if we preach... So, the uh, brother John, brother John asked me a question that I read just before Sunday school this morning. I read a report from a missionary to Lebanon, and he said, "Pray for me." He said I preach. I've got I've got salvation Bible studies that I do with the people, and I preach on salvation week after week after week, and. He, he said, I've got, I got Muslim ladies and Muslim men who sit in, my con sit in my congregation and hear the preaching week after week, and they're still not saved. John said, you ever feel like that symbol? Put your finger in the bowl and pull it out and see what kind of impact you had? John, I'll have to... As I read the thing this morning from the missionary early this morning, I had to wonder what the impact of these services have. I mean, is the preaching, are we just passing time? Or are, we, are, we, are we receiving anything from the Lord? What's it about? I love to come to church. The high day of the week for me is Sunday. I like to put on my tie and get out of the dirt and the grime and come down here and magnify the name of Jesus and love on Him. But is it making a difference? If it's time to preach, it's time to profess and confess and, and surrender and serve. It's that time. That's the time we're in, friend. Hey, we we're having a mission conference. One fellow's going over yonder, one fellow going over there. We got four missionaries going to be here going four different places. But right here is a great need. We, he said, you don't need to go somewhere else. Jesus said, you don't need to buy anything. You don't need to send them away. Right here. It starts right here. What are we going to do? I can't tell you what that folks out on the street, what we have found out is we can give them Bibles. They'll take them. We can talk to them. They'll make some kind of a something. But it doesn't make much difference if it doesn't bring them in the doors, does it? We haven't made a difference. They may have heard, but they didn't act on what they heard. 
It's proven time. It's purifying time. It's pruning time. It's prophetic time. I've got a whole list of things. But here's my point. John chapter 9 said, Jesus said this in verse 4, I must work the works of him that sent me while it's yet day. For night cometh when no man can work. He was, he was standing with one foot in time and one foot in eternity. He was here for a moment. He was here for just a short season, a, a three and a half year ministry. And then it's gone. And everything that he's going to do, he must do in that time. He said, I've got to work the works of him that sent me while it's yet day. For the night comes. I mean, there's going to be, in, in just a moment, he's going to be on the cross. Just a moment, Judas is going to betray him. Just a moment, they're going to beat him. And, and I was reading Isaiah 53 again the other day. And he'll become the offscouring of the world. So what he's going to do for the souls of every man who ever lived, every woman, every boy, he must do quickly. You understand this? If you're ever going to be a witness to anybody, you better get started on it. If you're ever going to serve God with anything that you have, it's time to get started, wouldn't you say? He said you don't need to send them away. He's going to say over there in, in one of the Gospels, I'm not going to go to all of them, uh, all the verses, but he's going to say, how much bread do we have? And they're going to say, one place it says, somebody said, well, we got five loaves. Five small loaves, but what are they among so many? If we look at ourselves and our abilities, that's what we say, isn't it? I mean, Lord, I'm going to preach, but, but what's the, what good can I do? Lord, I'm going to give out track. I'm going to tell my friend, but what good is it? Y'all look up here. Quit playing games. This is serious time. Are you ever going to play? I mean, you ever going to work? Do we say send them away? Let somebody else deal with the problem? Do we have nieces, nephews, cousins, moms, dads, sons, daughters? Do we have somebody that we need to be busy getting the bread to them? Do you know anybody that just needs a Savior? What I've found out, a lot of times the, the one that needs it is the bully. And he intimidates us. Satan works that way. But what I found out is if you one-on-one -on -one go with the bully and just get honest with him about this, what we're talking about, the truth of the gospel, that bully will turn into a wimp in a hurry. He can't stand in the face of God. You give him the truth. Give him out of a pure heart and see if God won't use it. He said, they need not depart. Give ye them to eat. Verse 16. 
He knows the great need. Hey, it's not just a matter of the time, but he understands this. That sin has invaded our hearts. And all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And that without help, the wages of sin is still death. And so, I think back on folks I've known. Or I was thinking about the other day a little old boy that we tried to witness to. He was a wild little old kid, spoiled at home. His dad and mother were, they said they were saved, but they lived an ungodly life. And that kid got to be about 15, 16 years old. And across the street from our house, right in our front door, he and two of his buddies gathered up around the pool table and drank beer. Maybe for the first time or maybe a hundred times. I don't know. Then got in the car and went out there and jumped a ramp across a irrigation canal and went over a hundred yards in the air and crashed into a concrete bulwark of a bridge and all three of them were killed. I think about those kids. And I think about when he would come and shoot hoops with my boys. I think about the times that he would aggravate my dog. And I, I wondered if I was just thinking about the, the opportunity to give him the bread. He was there. He'll never be there again. If, according to what I read in the Bible, he went into hell that night. And he's been there ever since. He'll never come back. Over there in Mark, I think it's in chapter 9, three times he said it's a place where the worm dies not. That soul never dies. And the fire is never quenched. Think about that. Wasn't his name Larry, Susie? I worked with his dad. I tried to witness to his dad. I wish I'd have... I wish I'd have put the pressure on a whole lot more. Larry's, Larry's, if Larry could say it to you, he'd say, don't come to this awful place. Don't send them away. They need not depart, he said. There's something good coming. Don't don't send them away. They don't need to go away. It's right here. This is where it's at. We've got the gospel. We're saved, saved, saved. Thank God I'm saved. Thank God you're saved. Thank God that he has come into this place with the saving power of the Lord Jesus Christ today. And if you're not excited about that, I feel sorry for you. You need to see, wake up and see the time you're in. There's a devil standing on every corner waiting to snatch you, drag you, take you in place that you can't come back from. Jesus said the thief has come but for to kill, to steal, and to destroy. He's still doing that. He'll try to persuade you into all kinds of immorality and show you pictures of great pleasure in your imagination. But when he gets through with you, he'll wad you up like a paper bag and throw you away and never look back at you. You'll be screaming, crying, wishing then, but he has no sympathy for you. That crowd has no sympathy for you. 
the late hour, our inabilities. Second Corinthians 4, I'm familiar with these because I use these verses as my theme verse for evangelism. He says in verse 7, we, we, we went through this in the breaking the other night. We have this treasure. Look at verse 6. God commanded the light to shine out of darkness. And he has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. I was reading some of these mission statistics the other day. If you lived in Nigeria or, or some of those African countries, or if you lived over in the Middle East, it would be doubtful that you'd ever had one drop of the light of the gospel of God shined on you. One third of the languages in the world don't even have a Bible in their language. They don't know what Jesus' name means. We carry him around. We sing about him, talk about him. We, we've got Bibles that we toss around. You know. we got the bread. He said, don't send them away. They don't have to go away. He said he knew what he was going to do. Here's what he's going to do for our inabilities. He says in Philippians 2.13, Wayne, it is God that works in you, both the will and the do of his good pleasure. And you just skip over a couple of chapters. See, see if you're saved, God moved in, right? Y'all with me on that? So can you look back to that day when you were saved and God moved in? That's the first question. If so, then go over to 413. And the, and the apostles said in a, in a mission statement, I can, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. I don't have to wonder if there's going to be any effect of the preaching I don't have to wonder if I, if I hand a track or if I tell my witness to my friend. I don't have to wonder if it's going to work. If I do it in the power and the demonstration of the Holy Ghost as God works through me, I, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. I remember when it was on everybody... Everybody had a 413 on their cap and their shirts. And, but, it, but it means much. He has to, we, we only do what we do as he comes into us. What he's saying to these disciples is just stand by. You do a little praying and I'll do a little something. I'm going to look up to heaven a minute, boys. Y'all just take Stand by. And uh, he knew what he was going to do. He knows what he's going to do in you if you'll let him. He knows what kind of vessel you'll be. He knows what he can make out of you. He knows how he can use you to reach others. I got to go on. What he says is... They need not depart, verse 16. Here's what he says. Here's the commandment, servants, disciples. Give ye them to eat. I've got a message on the, on the delivery of the bread. I don't know if I'm going to preach it or not yet, but, but what he says is, he didn't say, I'll call the angels down. He could have called enough. He could call more angels than he had people there. 
and just everybody could have had it one hand, hand one on one feeding. He didn't do that. He said, you twelve. Take those five loaves, those two little, five loaves was five, you know these little, uh, oh, we eat them for, uh, you ladies like to eat them, because you're the one that started all this, because they do not have calories, it's just all crunch and not much in it. Five granola bars and two sardines. That's what they had. But when he broke it, when he looked to heaven, when he blessed it, when he broke it, and then when he handed it to the servants, it fed 20,000 people. And if you finish it out, I've, I've got to move on. I can't stay. If you finish it out, they gathered up how many baskets? Twelve of them. I used to say that little boy went home with twelve baskets of leftovers. I don't think they gave them to the boys. I think Jesus gave them to his disciples. And every disciple had a whole basket of broken meat. He's going to eat a few days on that. Some of y'all don't like leftovers. We eat leftovers about two-thirds of the time at my house. Susie cooks for a family, and then we eat it for several days till we eat it up. That's the way we're working. If I barbecue, well, we barbecue enough to last a while, and we eat it up. That's just the way it works. Broken meat straight from heaven be the best leftovers you ever tasted. Wouldn't you, wouldn't you think? Uh, wouldn't you like to have just one, one, of those, one of those pieces that he had blessed and he had breaked and he had, he had, that came straight out of heaven. And the Bible says, that we to give them to eat. Now the question, what will you do? Are you, are you sharing anything with anybody? Do you ever get a burden and call you somebody that you know and tell them about Jesus? Do you pray? You ask God to show you a soul, give you a burden for souls. While Brother Jim was here, he, we had a series. I had a little book. He took that little book and, and taught a series on Wednesday nights on a burden for lost souls, praying for lost souls. Hey, we've got bread. We're not short of bread. We don't have to send them away. They, we got plenty of bread to share. So the position of the disciples, it's the wrong place. I mean, hey, we're, I'm not in church. They're out there somewhere on the street. You ask me to go out there and talk to them. That's exactly what he's saying to do. He said, you give them something to eat. They're going to die without a Savior if we don't give them what we have. You got bread? Take your bread. And then, some of you are going to say, well, it's the wrong crowd. They're too smart for me to give bread to, or they're too ignorant for me to give bread to. They're too tough, or they're too nice. I mean, 
That tough guy needs me to give him some bread, but that nice one, I don't have to give bread. He's already nice. No, he may be a nice sinner. You ever think about that? He'll be a nice lost soul when they cast him into hell. Nice doesn't buy anything. It's the blood of Jesus that saves souls. Or it's the wrong place. If I could get them down here to church, I'd try to give them some bread, but I can't get them to church, and I can't talk to them over on the volleyball court or down there on the job or wherever it is. So what are you going to do about that? Well, here's what Paul said about it. 1 Corinthians uh, chapter number 9. He said, Though I be free from all men, yet I have made myself servant unto all that I might gain the more. Under the Jews, I became a Jew that I might gain the Jews. To them that are under the law, as, that, as under the law, that I might gain them that are under the law. To them that are without law, as without law, being not without law to God, but under the law of Christ, that I might gain them that are without law. To the weak I became I as weak, that I might gain the weak. I made all things to all men, that by all means I might save some. And this I do for the gospel's sake. Listen to me. There's nobody too tough, and there's nobody too nice. Everybody needs the Savior. And if you have him, your obligation is to share him with those folks you come, those you know. You can reach people I can't reach. I try my best to be a 16-year-old football player. I, I, I just can't pass that test. Can't he? You wouldn't believe it if I told you it was, would you? You sure wouldn't believe it if you saw me run up and down the field. But you can. And you can. And you can. I mean, God's put you in a place. You can. We got bread. They're starving without bread. I don't want you to throw rocks at these. If you read the Bible, in Mark chapter 6, it said they had just come back from preaching. The 70 had just come back from preaching, remember? And he, he said they couldn't even eat. They had, they had such crowds around they couldn't even eat. So he took them apart. He said, come apart with me and rest a while. They were weary. And they were concerned about themselves and not others. Wouldn't you say so? When they said, send them. Uh, you can go to every one of these. It says it a little different way. Over in John, he said, Philip, where are we going to get bread? And he, Philip says, 200 penny worth not enough bread for anybody to, just everybody just to taste. Give them a taste. We, that's, that's a half a year's salary and, and we can't even feed we can't even feed them if we had all that we couldn't feed them they were concerned for their own stomach for their own self wouldn't you say but there's an example there and he's called a little lad all he had was five five uh granola bars and two sardines that was his lunch if anybody didn't have enough it was him and he gave it all he had don't you know there was blessings the rest of his life for that day that Jesus used his stuff don't you imagine he? Jesus told Peter I'm going to repay you a hundredfold Anything you do for me on this earth, I'm going to repay you a hundredfold. And then you can go to heaven. How am I going to do that? 
How am I going to do? Okay, you've proved me. I'm not feeding them. What do I do? Romans 12. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercy of God, that you present your body a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. All you've got to do is give yourself away. Right? I mean, everything you are belongs to Him. You're not giving yourself away. He's giving yourself away. It's costing Him. But the harvest will be many-fold. So, the question. He was proving His disciples. What are you going to do? That's the question. What you going to do with the gospel that you already know? What you going to do with the times he's already blessed? What you going to do with the Bible that you carry in your hand? What you going to do with it, folks? I mean, we're his servants. He saved us. What do we do now? Give myself away. A stamp. Father, I pray that you just have your way right now. And Lord, take charge of all that goes on here today. Lord, I thank you for Jesus. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for your hand upon us. Lord, I want to be here when he works. I want to be around when revival breaks out. But, Lord, I know it, first of all, got to begin in my heart. I ask you, God, that you'd help us to turn ourselves over to you and let you have your way with us. Thank you for Jesus. Would you work right now? In his name I pray. Amen. Page 105. God's speaking to you. Why don't you come? Get it right with him. Make it. Just get it settled with him this morning. Would you?
Well, we'll be back this afternoon, and I, I, I can't tell you what we're going to do, but we'll do. If you haven't signed the ladies' list back there, be sure you do that. And uh, anything I'm missing? I'm glad to be here with you. The question is, what are you going to do? What are you going to do with it? Are you going to send them away? Don't do it. Open our eyes. Open our eyes. 